Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast. And if you want to support the show, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, you can find us at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. And I want to take a second here to thank my top patrons: Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Michael Cross, and Joseph George. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. As always, the show is free. If you do sign up, five dollars or more a month, then you get a bonus episode of me talking about my weekly roundup. Um, And we also have a Teespring in case you need any I Love That Movie swag. We have a Discord group and a Facebook group as well. So if you want to chat with other movie lovers, you can always join us in there. And as always, guys, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. Last couple of plugs I have, uh, February 23rd, we'll be uh, at the Queen of Snakes screening at the Alamo Drafthouse in Richardson. Uh, Christopher Armim, the filmmaker, will be there along with a bunch of us. come hang out. It's super fun. And then we will have two panels at AllCon. So we will be doing two live shows, one on the 12th at 9 p.m. for Creature in the Black Lagoon. And then on the 14th, we will also do one at 11 a.m. for the movie Them. And it's super fun. It's just like these shows you're listening to now, except there's an audience and you get to participate and be in it if you're in that audience. So please come down and have some fun with us. Um, I'm finally done with all my plugs. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce my guest for this week. Say hi to Scotty Moore of the BS Network. Hi, everybody. What's up? (laughs) Scotty, thank you so much for coming on my show. And if you could, why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit? I am Scotty Moore of the BS Network. The end. No, uh, I do a bunch of different <laughs> podcasts. I do pro wrestling podcasts. I do theme park podcasts. And I just launched an audio drama. It's our first audio drama, and it's about space Ooh. pirates. And it is called. I love it already. It's called Deviant, a space pirate story. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> I can see, you know, our audience can't see it, but I can see that you have a, I'm going to say this wrong, a snifter, a sifter in your hand there? No. A Kingsman one? You're very wrong. You're very wrong, but it's okay. Oh my gosh. I'm so embarrassed. This is a Glen, this is a Glen Cairn, which is a, the official like whiskey nosing glass. It's very lame. I know. But can we, can I spoil what movie we're doing? Because it's relevant to what I'm drinking. This is true. So my, our guest always picks the movie that we talk about. So, Scotty, what did you pick for today? I picked Kingsman, and I, I was like, can we talk about all of them? And you're like, just stick with the first one for right now. I'm like, but I love all of them. <laughs> but but uh, actually, the whiskey I am currently sipping, and I bought for this show, 
is the one they released in uh, sponsorship yes. with the second movie. So I have Statesman Bourbon, and it's very good. I didn't expect it, it to be this good. It is good. We went through a couple bottles of that, not all in one sitting, but you know, over over a year or whatever when we were drinking it, we've gone through two bottles. I'm not going to justify it, <laughs> but it, it it is very good. And we've also got uh, my. We went to see uh, Kingsman, the second one. Uh, What's the second one called again? Uh, I like that we were both like the second one. We can't. I think it's the Golden Circle. It's a long title. The Golden Circle. Okay. Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Well, Knights of the Secret Service just sounds better, I think. But yeah, uh, we we got like a little glass from Alamo too, like a whiskey glass that has a logo on it. And ooh, it's so fancy and we love it. Um, but yeah, we, we tried that uh, whiskey as well. And it is really good. Mm, Old Forester. So good. I know, right? I wasn't, because Old Forester is like a big name, and I'm a snob, but I was still like, this is really good. Wow, okay. <laughs> well, I'm impressed that this uh, this review will be whiskey-filled. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> um, so, Kingsman, Knights of the Secret Service came out in 2014. I'm assuming I'm assuming that you saw this one in theaters. Yo, dog, I didn't. I didn't. I st- oh, really? Let me put it, all my favorite movies, I waited five years before I actually saw them. Like, Guardian, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, I waited so long, and then everyone's like, this is you, you need to watch this. So then I watched that, and it was the same thing with <laughs> Kingsman. Because I guess the trailers left a little something to be desired compared to the actual mm. movie. Because the trailers mm-hmm. are just like, it's another fun spy movie, and that's it. It does not explain how buck wild and crazy this film gets at points. So I'd never thought to watch it. And then once Golden Circle was coming out, that's when I did research and realized like, oh, I remember watching the church scene at the near the end of this one on YouTube and saying, okay, I need to get into this one if it's got that level <laughs> of quality fight scenes. It's a pretty good sell. I'll, I'll agree with you there. I think for me, I had seen uh, Kick-Ass and was a big fan of that. So I was kind of following, you know, uh, when this movie was coming out, I was kind of excited about it. Love Bond films, but the idea of a Bond film being told through the eyes of somebody who's, you know, directed Kick-Ass really appealed to me because at the time when I saw Kick-Ass, I wasn't super into superhero films. And so it, it kind of, it gives you something for for those of us that weren't into it at the time. I'm very into them now, but back then I wasn't. And so, you know, it's a different kind of movie. Yeah, I remember seeing Kick-Ass, though, and just straight up... I went into it with the same joke every 15-year-old had, which was like, Nicolas Cage can't act. He's the worst actor. By the end of it, I just remember, (laughs) like, my face falling and being like, damn it, Nick Cage is actually a very good actor. Oh, no! He nailed it! I know. (laughs) He did a great job. It's true. But yeah, I was pretty excited when it came out. And I felt like there was another sort of not superhero, but something that's in that genre. This is like Marv, I think it's called like it's technically also well, it's a comic book and it falls under it fell under the Marv title. Now I think it's just Marvel. Oh, oh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I I believe so. so. Yeah. But anyway, before we go on any further, I'm going to read the synopsis really quick. And it's really short um, so that we can just dive in. Um, A spy organization recruits a promising street kid into the agency's training program while a global threat emerges from a twisted tech genius. (laughs) Ah, 
they left out so much. <laughs> they left, mm-hmm. It's just, very succinct. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that is what it is, but I'm not. That wouldn't sell the movie to me at all. Like that is not a synopsis to sell. I, you would have to at least be like, yo, Sam Samuel L. Jackson has a lisp, and he's the exact opposite of any Sam Jackson character you've ever seen. That's accurate. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, a lot is packed into this movie, um, and it's very enjoyable from start to finish. Um, I don't know. It's just it's unique. It's different from a lot of the other spy films out there. I absolutely adore it. So I'm glad you picked this one. Um, I've got a couple of quick facts, too, that I'm going to spit out. And if you have quick facts of your own or something to add, just feel free to jump in. Um, The first one I have is that writer, producer and director Matthew Vaughn originally wanted the Kingsman agents to kill the dogs. But writer-producer Jane Goldman felt at risk losing the audience, so eventually they came up with a compromise of using blanks instead. Uh, Harry's stuffed dog scene was kept in, but they explained it died of pancreatitis. Pancreatitis, sorry, years later. Um, I'm not yeah, gonna, I don't think. Oh, I'm go not, ahead. I'm not gonna lie. That's half the reason it took me a while to watch this film again is because really the, re- the rest of the if a film hits me emotionally. I can't. Like, I love Inside Out. I saw it once, and that was enough. I can't go back. And it was the same way with me of just, like, I can't go through that anxiety of watching that kill the dog scene again. And then finally I re- <laughs> I rewatched it and was like, okay, it kind of balances out. Like, I- Yeah, they kind of explain it. They walk it back a little bit, but if you're honest, it's like, it's a dicey scene. I had a friend that... Um, at first, she saw it and she couldn't get over that one scene. She's like, the fact that he ever even had to think about killing a dog, like, I hate this movie. And I had to be like, come on, like, I, I get where you're coming from. But I definitely think the choice to use blanks was a good one. I don't think you would win the audience back over if the test was to actually shoot a cute little pug. I don't I don't think so. Well, not only <laughs> that, I do think it really plays into the way the Kingsmen were training them. Like, they, she, she, he says straight up... The girl who drowned was one of our tech people. She's not really dead. Right. Um, the everyone had a parachute during the parachute jumping scene. Like you were mm-hmm. never in any real danger. It was just simulating it, and that's what I really right. liked about it. And I felt like the dog scene was more about you know like trusting them. You know, do you trust us enough at this point that? you know, we wouldn't really ask you to do something that insane, like, also, you know, it, without some reason. It really does foreshadow the fact that old Michael Caine becomes one of the bad guys, because he's the it, one it who- It does. It, he's the one who looks and is like, kill the dog, and I'm like, okay, you're the worst, I hate you. I know. At that scene, I was like, that guy's a bad guy, huh? Like, yeah. I kind of I kind of got it at that point. Um, the other, one of the other- Trivia facts I had was that Colin Firth did 80% of his own stunts, according to stunt coordinator and second unit director Bradley James Allen. Is that shocking to you? Yeah, because there's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot in this film that happens. The one that stuck out to me, because I watched it this morning, the one that stuck out to me, and this wasn't Colin, this was actually one of uh, Taron Edgerton's things and it's when he has to leave his house after his dad beat his stepdad like goes to beat him up he runs outside and just parkours all the way down and the whole time i'm going oh yeah that's not taryn that's no way that's taryn (laughs) so true 
I mean, the call, in fact, surprises me because he's not a young man, you know? And it's like, there are times in the movie, I think, you know, they use CG sometimes, too, I think, to supplement the fight scenes. And it's like, you can kind of tell. But it's good enough to where it's still fun to watch. But hearing that he, like, got ripped and in shape and, like, did his own stunts is kind of cool. Like, I, oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that. You don't really see him. I mean, there's not, like, shirtless scenes of Colin Firth in this movie, so... Unfortunately you know, not. Cool Unfortunately, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, can, can I be honest? This is the first film where I really ever saw Colin Firth and cared about him. And I would go to... Really? Other, I know, and people would come... Because wasn't he in King's Speech or something like that? Yes, And they, they would was, come to I me guess. like, oh, yes, the King's Speech. I'm like, are you talking about that guy who shot all those people in that church? I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is definitely a more fun role. I'm sure he would agree. Oh with you. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I knew who he was and I liked him. But I, I have to agree, this movie definitely made me love him more. Um, the last one I have is that during the lead up to World War One and Two, the British intelligence services often used tailor shops as fronts for their activities. So a little bit of truth to using a tailor shop. That's really cool. I like that a lot, actually. Like Me too. It's very British. <laughs> this is one of those films that uh, irreparably damaged my aesthetic for a few years there. <laughs> because, like, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy and was like, cool, I need a red leather jacket and some headphones, and this is all I'm going to wear. I saw Kingsman. The very next day, I was going on a date with my now wife, and I was wearing a full three-piece suit and, like, spectacles. And she's staring at me like, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, I saw Kingsman, so I can't stop. Uh, this is just my life now. <laughs> this is who I am. <laughs> at least you didn't have a knife pop out of your shoe or anything. Well, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> you have limits. Uh, yeah, my, my husband has a Kingsman costume. He actually makes replicas of the guns, too. So Oh, that's They look sick. really good. Yeah, that. I'll I'll post a picture and and send you the information, but he it, they look really nice. Okay, that's Specifically really cool. Eggie, I think it's Eggie's gun, I believe. But yeah, I'd have to double check with him. He's better at remembering those key details like that. Uh but yeah, we kind of already talked about too that, you know, the director of this one is Kickass or, or is um the director of this one is Matthew Vaughn. Who is Kickass? Kick He's very Kickass. Yeah, He's kick-ass. Yeah, that's a good way to describe him. Uh, he also did X-Men First Class, which I also enjoyed. Um, and yeah, he's definitely got a flavor to his films that I appreciate. It's a good flavor. I, I really... I, <laughs> I've not seen X-Men, but I loved Kick-Ass, and then I love both Kingsman movies. And even though the new... I guess it's a prequel they're coming out with, The King's Man. Right. It mm. does not look the same vibe as these previous two's, two, two movies did, but I'm still going to jump right into it. Same. I, I actually was kind of... I mean, the second one I enjoyed, but I didn't... It, it wasn't the same as the first one. And so when they were talking about the third one, I was like, well, what are they going to do? And so when they decided to do sort of a prequel, you know, I was like, oh, I'm actually more on board. But you're right. The vibe is very serious yeah. compared to the, to these but i'm i'm guessing it's still going to be pretty fun so i i'm on board for what whatever you know vision he has for the next one and apparently I, I they, they are it back. Go, oh yeah and apparently they are going to do a trilogy like there is going to oh, cool. uh, and he's talking about it and he's saying like it's going to go on a lot more cuz it's also like a comic series and he goes but the third movie will be the end of the 
Eggsy and uh, Lancelot story. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, they were even kicking around the idea of doing like a statesman show or movie. But I think, I don't think the second one made enough to you know, continue that train of thought, but who knows what's going to happen in the future. Regardless, I will probably buy a ticket, so. <laughs> yeah, see, with yeah. me, with me, the second one is almost like, and I know this is almost sacrilege to be like Pitch Perfect, but it's almost like Pitch Perfect 2, where they decided the first movie had some crazy stuff in it. So in the second one, let's double down on that and go as crazy as possible, as yeah. insane as we can. And, th <laughs> and that's what I love about it. I love a good movie that can balance its crazy with its with its like sadness. So for like in the first movie, every awesome church scene you got with full ridiculous tech, you also had to deal with the emotional shoot the dog scene. I feel like right. each one of these movies balances out their crazy. Even though their crazy goes very high, they're darks go very dark so it balances mm -hmm. everything out and makes it even i mean to be clear i still really like the sequel and you know i'm I, i'm still gonna buy a ticket for the next one so i'm a real easy sell on these oh yeah <laughs> um so did you have any facts you wanted to throw in or do you want to jump into the film itself let's just jump into the film itself because you were implying Sounds that i good. that i was smart and that i knew facts for a minute there and i was like no 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 no. i just like watching they're not required i like watching people get shot like that's where i'm at <laughs> hey i'm on board uh let's talk about some of your favorite scenes then what's the first scene that you wanted to talk about man it's the church scene. It's gotta be. Like, it's impossible for that not to be the first thing that gets brought up when it comes to Kingsman is that almost ballet of violence that is that church scene. Because, firstly, it has the best lead-in of all time, which is Colin Firth trying to get out to leave the church. And then, I can't remember his exact quote. I wish I had the quote list pulled up, but the... Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> they're in, like, a, a really almost Westboro-style church. And, uh, yeah, the woman seems to be the influence. And the woman's like, why are you leaving? You're, you're the devil. And he goes, I'm sorry, I'm actually currently a Protestant whore who's... Uh, <laughs> I think it was, I'm a Catholic whore who's currently uh, having marital relations out of wedlock with my with my black husband. And he just keeps yes. going on until he's like, hail Satan and have a lovely day. And then immediately <laughs> leaves. And then they crank on the, the violence machine, essentially. And Colin Firth goes crazy and kills everyone in the church and just while Freebird is playing. So if I wasn't already hooked, you got my Alabama redneck side right there. You're like, I let's play some Skinnerd for this boy. And then it just leads into this beautiful parade of violence that if you pay attention is really gross. But if you kind of just fade mm -hmm. back and watch it like, okay, just enjoying everything that's going on. It's like an old, it's like an old version of It's a Small World. Like you don't look too closely because <laughs> it's nasty and all broken down. But if you watch it as a whole, you'll still be fine. <laughs> Very true. And I think they also set up your cringe levels because, you know, uh, Samuel Jackson's character is so against like looking at violence like it makes him sick and he has to turn away and so I think creating that anticipation for what you're about to see adds to it 
but certainly the song and then the action and you're seeing a lot of it also from uh Colin Firth's you know camera cam or I'm sorry Colin Firth's glasses cam yeah, yeah. and so it's makes it even better um but yeah I I, I love that scene I had a feeling you were going to bring that one up first because it's everybody's favorite but um one thing that's funny to me too is that uh, I tweeted out today I was like it's funny that I've heard some people claim that scene is a deal breaker for them. Like they feel like it's some kind of, I don't know, criticism like on, on their religion or something. I'm like, look, it's specifically aimed at a hate group. I mean, yeah. we know the Westboro Baptist Church is a hate group. They could have been Nazis. They could have been any hate group you can think of would have worked in that scene. They just picked one, I think. Literally, and earlier, if you, yeah. earlier in the film, they do not refer to them as a church. They call them a exactly. hate group. <laughs> right. And I think we all can agree they are religious or not. And it's like, if you if you find yourself too similar to that group, then I would say that's cause for alarm, but it shouldn't yeah. keep you from watching this movie. Uh, you know, maybe you should rethink your... your your morals your whole there. life but choice. um and, yeah your whole life and, it, and you don't have to listen to the show you can you can uh, go away yeah. as you know colin first said you can uh hail satan yeah <laughs> yeah and it has the perfect button on it because after all this violence and harry's forced to just look down and be like oh why did i do all this i don't know what's going on walks outside promptly gets capped in the dome by sam jackson's yes. character and it that's the biggest moment of like oh god Oh, they just did that. Okay. So everything's off the table. That's cool. I know. I don't think I walked into this movie coming anywhere close to expecting him to die. You know, I thought he was safe. I mean, especially in a movie like this, that's, it's not a superhero flick, but it's, you know, good guy versus bad guy. And so I just kind of thought the good guys are safe. And then they even set it up with all the tango you know that between him and samuel L. jackson's character at the dinner the other night and then now here and you know oh you're gonna tell me your plan and then i'm gonna and then yeah he just shoots him and you're like yeah i mean why don't they always do that yeah the, but uh the quote it's, is, it's this really ain't good. that kind of movie pop and then sam jackson immediately turns around and is like is he dead <laughs> i know it's so good and and it just we saw Colin Firth kick so much ass earlier. I mean, how could he possibly be taken down like that? So it just, everything about it does not set you up for that moment, and I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. A sudden headshot out of nowhere is always one of my favorite deaths in a film because it's immediately, wait, what? No, no. <laughs> yeah, and and as we were saying, too, like, the fact that it's a hate group that he goes in there and kills, that scene wouldn't have worked any other way. It has to be people we truly think do not deserve to walk out of there, and so I think he did a pretty good job of that. Yeah, Man, I'm trying um, to... Th what's another... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going through because there's so many that I can just pick out. Another one, this one, I legitimately paused to make sure my wife could see because we, we, we watched <laughs> golden circle before she watched golden circle before watching, uh, the secret service. So oh, really? she came in and just thought I was watching golden circle again. And I'm like, no, this is the first one. I don't, I love these movies, but not that much. And so I paused it and rewound just to make sure she watched the scene where 
all of the fanciest, richest people in America's heads explode in a beautiful it's spray a great scene. of fireworks <laughs> set to, I know normal people consider it pomp and circumstance, which I think is like the graduation theme. I know it as the Macho Man Randy Savage's theme song. So for, <laughs> so for me, that whole scene, I'm doing like, oh yeah, dig it, yeah, get them. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that is a great scene, too. And also kind of, I mean, I guess you were expecting something to happen. I wasn't expecting people's heads to explode into little fireworks. That was a nice surprise. Like, that was the artsiest <laughs> this film went, was just full on being like, we're going to build a full scene, a full uh, beautiful dance of heads exploding. It was so nice. <laughs> Now, so quick question: Are you into spy films? Like, do you like James Bond Absolutely and films not. like that? Never really? Seen a, never okay. seen a single James Bond film in my entire life. I think what? Austin Powers is my entire my entire <laughs> connection to the spy genre before Kingsman happened to me. Oh wow, um, that is a, quite an introduction. Might have set the bar. I don't know if I want to say hi, but, you know, certainly in a different place than where it probably ends up being compared to the other films. I mean, Austin Powers might be the best pick after this, actually, <laughs> if you have to pick something. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I like all the a lot of the Bond films. I haven't seen every single James Bond film, but I like quite a few of them. I'm partial to the Daniel Craig ones because, I mean, I think I just saw them at the right time when they were you know, aimed at me, I don't know, my age group or something, but I love, I like his the best of the most grounded and exciting, lots of stunts, you know. Um, Was he your first yeah, Bond? Because so, that's what I've read online, is your hmm, first Bond will always be your favorite Bond. I think it was uh, Pierce Brosnan. Oh, okay. Uh, it was probably my first Bond. But I think at the time when I saw it, it was kind of like, uh, oh, this, these movies are for my dad, you know, and and for and you know, and for dudes, and like, there's just nothing in this for me. And I think for me, what set you know Daniel Craig's Bond apart is that, I mean, he's a good-looking guy, but he's not he's not the pretty boy that Pierce Brosnan is. He's more rough and tumble and the stuff he does seems more believable, even though it's also impossible. And even his relationships with uh, the women in the film are like a little more nuanced. Like there's just more stuff that I like in those movies. But definitely after I started appreciating his films, then I could go back and see where it all began and enjoy those. I think the next closest thing, honestly, are the, the Connery films. I think if you like Daniel Craig the most, then your second best has to be Connery. But both those things are a world away from what we're watching here oh, yeah. uh, with Kingsman. But I will say it does kind of enhance your enjoyment of it because you're looking for all the cool spy stuff. And even, I think, pulling in stuff like Get Smart or, you know, the Pink Panther, you know, movies like that that are just really fun and spy-oriented, this definitely pays homage to a lot of those films. There was, yeah, there is a very good Get Smart reference when they go to the uh, <laughs> the tailor shop the first time because uh, they're having to wait. So he takes them into, like, their gear area and shows him the oh, shoes. Oh, that's right. The shoes with the <laughs> knife that comes out the front, and he goes... They had a phone in them back in the 60s. <laughs> that was when I was like, get smart, I get it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I love to, like, when the, the knife pops out of his shoe, he's like, how do I put it back? And he's like, 
very carefully. <laughs> There's not some special trick. It's just be real careful. Uh, he's like, I just gotta like that. Yeah, he's like, I think it was that blade contains one of the most dangerous neurotoxins known to man. So very carefully you put it back. That was good. And then uh, the uh, when they point out the iPhones, what do those do? Ah, uh, technology is caught up to the spy world in that respect. It's like, ah, oh, it's so good. <laughs> It's so true, though, isn't it? Like, a lot of the more fun-looking stuff doesn't feel as real anymore because you just expect everything. You're like, my iPhone can do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I like all the training scenes. I like uh, specifically the water one. Um, I've read that, and maybe this is why I like that scene, I've read that, like, when they tried to rig it all up, they were gonna, you know, start with a slow drip onto his head, and then the room was supposed to fill up with water. Well, that didn't happen. They turned the computers on, and everything flooded in the entire room, and everyone was in there, and all the equipment and everything, and they had to, like, completely start over, and it was, like, the first day of filming. Oh, that's the (laughs) worst! That sucks! Yeah. I know. So I was like, wow. So like every time I see that scene, I can't help but think about that. Like how wrong it went. Yeah. yeah. Um, I imagine at that point they were probably like, I hope this doesn't set a tone for like the entire filming of this movie. And thankfully yeah. I don't think it did, but yeah. I think I also, um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Looking at the training scenes though, I think the parachute scene has to be my favorite one because <laughs> all the other ones are fun and they've got their own little clever quirks to them. But the parachute one is a master class in acting by Mark Strong, who is uh, Merlin, who Merlin was good in this one. Merlin became my favorite character in the second one. Cause I love Merlin. Oh, but, I'm going to start singing Country Road. Spoilers. Oh, oh spoilers. That scene's <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, that whole scene of like, oh, you're doing all pretty well. Now what will you do when you find out one of you's missing a parachute? And immediately Exy's <laughs> like, okay, let's figure this out. <laughs> let's calm down, guys. Yeah, I that, love that scene too. That was one of the most anxiety-inducing ones for me because I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> so I'm just staring <laughs> like, oh no, who doesn't have it? And then once again, all, all the scenes have really good buttons at the end of them because the end of that one right. is Eggsy running up to Merlin being like, oh, I'm the disposable one because I love Eggsy as a character. By the way, we'll get into mm-hmm. this in a second. But going up to him and saying, wait, I'm the disposable one like because I'm poor and all that. He goes, take the chip yeah. off your shoulder, pulls the cord. He had a uh, parachute the entire time. It was so brilliant. <laughs> have you have you read about like who were other possible picks for Eggsy? No, I haven't. I, I, okay. It, he he kind of seemed like they needed someone. I don't know how Taryn was when this was filmed. Was he a big name at this point? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think I think this was like his first big break. Okay, because it was very weird looking at the credits and seeing, like, Michael Caine's name, Sam Jackson's name, and then finally, <laughs> like, four or five down is the lead of the mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was headlining. I think I think it was a, a situation where they were looking at new talent, but I had, I thought about it watching it this time, like, who else could be this character? And then when I was looking online, I noticed that John Boyega was in, like, the top running towards the end. And then they went with Taron. And honestly, I could totally see that, especially if you've seen Boyega in um, Attack the Block, which is, I think, probably why they thought about him for this movie. But 
the character he plays in that movie kind of reminds me of, of this character. So I was like, mm, I could see that. It'd be different, but I could see it. The only thing I've seen Boyega in that's not Star Wars was the second Pacific Rim film, also known as the biggest, oh, dis- yeah. the biggest disappointment of my adult <laughs> life. Yes. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, he, and he had a kind of an eggsy-like character in that one, but I don't know. I think Taron had it, which is weird given how like not eggsy Taron Edgerton is in real life. <laughs> I mean, now he's going to be remembered as Elton John, you know. Which is weird, given the second Kingsman movie. I was like, he was studying. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, I, I really... So so for you, the parachute scene, I do really love that scene. For me, probably the most anxiety-inducing scene is the train. Uh, like, the final test. <laughs> well, I will, at that point, they had pulled the rug out from underneath us so many times that I was like, that's true, not a real true. train. I'm good. I'm okay here. <laughs> Maybe it's just, like, the real-life fear, like, of, of, of being hit by a train. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But for me, it was intense. I uh, And also, when they were in the uh, club and, you know, they're all trying to hit on that one girl, uh, the Duchess or whatever... I right away was like, mm, that's not what's happening in this scene. Something else is going to happen. And I just love that that uh, Eggsy is like, this champagne tastes funny. And the other characters are like, oh, he's using a line. See what he's doing there? And he's like, no, man, it just, it tastes, it tastes weird. And then they all pass out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the worst part about that scene is me who in college watched like three pickup artist videos. No. It's, for, I wasn't <laughs> proud. I'm not proud of myself back then either. You should but not as be. They're, as they're doing it the whole time, I'm like, yep, that's exactly the technique he just used. I know. Yep. Yep, that's nagging. Yep, this is what he's doing. Right. Oh, yeah. There was that show, The Pickup Artist. It's so right? gross, like dude. It's, it's terrible so now. I remember even then thinking there's something wrong with this, but I don't think we had the, the, the language we do now. Even though that wasn't that long ago, it's just still, it's it's bad, guys. Ugh. Good times, good times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> transitioning. No. Um, I'm trying As to think of like another. Gets mad, like more upset. Like I gotta re-record a new episode now. We can't have this guy no. on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's indicative of the time when it came out. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you said. <laughs> um, so, w- what's another great scene that you like? Oh man, I, I, the one I keep coming back to is the first real meeting between. Um, Sam Jackson's care. I I hate that I can't remember names. I really wish I, can't I could. Either I'm gonna pull it up on IMDb because this is this is an issue. We're gonna figure this out. But uh, the meeting that Colin Firth first had with Sam Jackson, where they Valentine. All... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Valentine. How do I not Valentine, remember that? Yeah. That's such a good name. I know it's so cool, and I'm cheating. I'm reading it, so go mm-hmm. ahead. <laughs> and he he's probably one of my. This film has nothing but good characters. I don't think there's a bad character in the bunch. But that initial meeting between them, where they go into the dining room and he opens the the cloche to reveal nothing but McDonald's, and Colin Firth being like, "I'll have a Big Mac, please." Like just immediately, like I gotta run with it, otherwise the plan's ruined. Right. And then, as they talk, <laughs> it slowly descends into them both realizing at the same time, yeah. like him realizing, oh, he's a spy. And then, uh, well, I mean, of course, Colin Firth already knew that's why he was there. But that whole situation of him being like, you know what my favorite movies to watch as a kid were? 
Some old goofy spy movies. I always wanted to be a gentleman spy, staring down Harry, dead-eyed. Like, I always wanted to be this. And then Harry returns the lobby immediately with just like, ah, I always wanted to be a a, uh, colorful megalomaniac. Well, we can't always be (laughs) what we want. It's so good. It was so nice. I loved it. Yeah, I, um, I also, in real life... Not saying that he's <laughs> Valentine levels of bad, but I kind of thought about this scene a little bit when Trump invited that football team to the White House and fed them all fast oh, food. Oh, all the fast food? Yeah, Tell yeah. me you didn't think about that, just for a second. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit like, oh, okay, we're full-on kingsmaning like, this. I thought, yeah, I was like, that scene seemed over the top. Now, seems like reality. I don't know. Um, another favorite part of this movie for me is actually mark hamill yes i love his character (laughs) the first time i saw it he's like running around and i and i just kind of like i was in the theater but i like leaned forward i'm like is that mark hamill (laughs) you know like it takes you a second you're like it's totally him doing his best british joker impression i love it so much pretty much Pretty I much. I mean, I th- it fits. He's he ends up being bad or whatever. Well, no, he just ends up getting his head exploded. But um, he honestly <laughs> was my last selling point because when Golden Circle was coming out, I was like, should I see the first one? I don't know, maybe. And then I saw Mark Hamill and went, okay, I have to see it now. I'm good now. Now I have to because I love Mark <laughs> Hamill. Yes. <laughs> I also really liked uh, Giselle. Um, the henchman or henchwoman. Oh, no, that, uh, it's Valentine literally has. gazelle because she's got... Oh, gazelle. Yeah, because she's got the legs like a gazelle that That's can right. chop yeah, people yeah. up. <laughs> she was an underrated part because she was good for what she was, which was a henchwoman, but she was an underrated henchwoman. She had so many good lines throughout the whole thing. Like, uh, after, yeah, there... after he shoots Harry... Did it kill him? That's usually what happens when you shoot somebody in the face and then just, like, walks on by. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, she carries that character so well. Uh, Sophia Botella is her her name. And I've seen her in other stuff, too. She was in uh, the Star Trek Beyond. I think that was her, right? I have no idea. I didn't see Star Trek Beyond. Oh, you didn't? Uh-uh. It's pretty good. I liked it. Um, I'm make sure. Yep, that was her. Um, she... I really like her in this film. Um, all the fight scenes with her look really good. And I, I also like the parts where she's sort of sizing up Eggy. Because, you know, in a way it's like she's Valentine's Eggy, right? You know, she's the person right under him. And they're the, the oh, two yeah. that are going to be matched up. And so I like that. Um, I liked every scene that she was in for sure. It's like I wish she could have come back. <laughs> Well, it's such a fun dichotomy between her and Valentine because you've got Valentine, who is this laid-back, eccentric billionaire philanthropist Mm -hmm. who's always in, like, uh, just kind of street clothes, and that's all he really wears throughout the whole thing. He's really goofy. He likes McDonald's. And then you have her, who is just (laughs) so prim and proper throughout the whole film, like... The, big, the first scene where you meet her, which is when Mark Hamill's, like, tied up in that base. Yes, and she just, actually, I love this scene, too, like, so much. <laughs> I love it because they talk about a, a very specific, very old whiskey, and I got jealous. They're like a 62... <laughs> they, it was a 62 Dalmore. That's the one thing I really remember more than anything else is the scotch they got is a 62 Dalmore. And she's just carrying this Dalmore around while slowly putting uh, sheets over everything every person that she just destroyed 
Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I really like this scene. I like the snowy lodge and, um, you know, the fight scene that you're talking about. I, I like everything about it. And we get to see just how bad she is because she takes out a, a Kingsman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like it's nothing, too. Just straight yeah. up down the middle. Not... <laughs> Not it's not decapitation. What would that just be called? Just leaving him in twain. Yeah, it's pretty pretty serious. And one scene that we haven't talked about yet, I really liked even just the opening scene. Um, you yeah, know, it's it's where we learn about uh, Eggsy's father, how he he passes. Um, it, but it's a good scene, and I like the way the letters kind of like explode onto the. You know, the title letters explode onto the I didn't take the, uh, any screen. notes except for that. That was my <laughs> only note I had was how cool that... Because it reminded me of um, the first Zombieland movie where all the, like, the credits would come up and then zombies would run through and the letters oh, would yeah. shatter. Yeah, totally it reminded me that. of that. I love that kind of opening credit sequence. For sure, for sure. Well, did you have any other scenes that you were uh, thinking about? Not really that I could think of off the top of my head. That's the majority of the scenes that really, really <laughs> yeah. stick out. Like, because those, the those whole the film's a masterpiece. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, and, and you mentioned Mark Strong earlier, too. He's one of my favorite parts. Oh, let's talk about the uh, the death scene of Michael Caine's character, Arthur. Oh, yeah. That scene is the Because <laughs> and earlier I mentioned the fact that Eggsy is one of my favorite characters in the whole thing because sure. I do love this concept of, like, a guy... Because I didn't grow up with much money. So I love this concept of this kid growing up with nothing, being forced to fight his way up, becoming, like, gentleman spy in less than a yeah. year and really ascending... Yeah. It's such a great character development thing for him. But my favorite thing about it is the fact that he can be... You could take the boy out of the slum, but you can't take the slum out of the boy as evidenced by the scene where he's with Michael Caine and is straight out like, I know you're about to poison me. I'm just going to swap the glasses. We're good. <laughs> yeah, and Michael Caine is like... I, I guess you get you get the sense that his character is way too comfortable He's sort of been behind the scenes for so long, he kind of forgot his spy skills. And he's just so arrogant. It's like you just want him to eat it, like, by that point. Well, I mean, um, that's the, the one of my favorite lines from the film comes from Harry after, essentially, Michael Caine talks crap about all the previous candidates Harry has brought in oh, for roles. Oh, that's right. And as he leaves, he, he just turns back to him and he goes, there's a reason why aristocrats developed weak chins and then turns and leaves. And I was like, oh, get him. Get him. Yes. <laughs> Very true. And, and also, you know what? That reminds me of the uh, uh, manners make man scene. Manners maketh man. We got to talk about that. Oh, how did I forget that one? That one's so Because that's the first real good fight scene you get in the whole film is that. And the fight scene is good. It's not the best one in the film. It's just that anticipatory lead up and him mm -hmm. just being like, manners maketh man. And turns around and just yeets a beer at a man's face. Yeah, it, it's it was... a good scene. It's so iconic. <laughs> and the best part about it is Harry after the battle. Because he gets done, just plops down in the chair in front of Eggsy, and then downs the beer. Well, I've been having a tough day, and that was it. It was so good. I love it. <laughs> well, and you're, you're anticipating that guy getting his 
ass kicked the entire movie. I mean, he's so terrible. Like the 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 guys that they beat up at the bar um, to his mom to Eggsy's mom, and so you're just excited to see those people get it. They do a good job of that, making sure that the people <laughs> that get beat up they have it coming and you can't wait. Um, but the whole scene is exciting. Like you said, him, you know, locking the doors and the whole setup is just like, I guess we're about to see something, but there's something about seeing a guy in a suit, you know, (laughs) be that acrobatic and destroy everybody and use an umbrella. I mean, just everything about it is just so wonderful. Oh, the, the technology in this film is so good. Like just the weird tech they get to utilize throughout the whole film. It gets crazier in the second one, but at one point, oh, yeah. at, at one point, and it's right after the the happy meal between uh, between Sam Jackson and Colin Firth, they're just like, "How are you going to find him?" Oh, don't worry, I put a nano gel tracker in his soda, and I'm like, "That's not a thing at all. That's not <laughs> a thing." But thank you, movie, for making it happen. Yeah, it's a very you know '60s spy made up thing, or if. You know, if you continue, if we continued with like how ridiculous some of those gadgets were, then I guess it's the modern day version of that. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's certainly not realistic. Oh, I um, love it. Yeah, I love it too. I like the car theft scene too, where he, uh, where Eggsy like steals that the ex the um stepfather's car. I I don't know if he'd really be considered stuff. His mother's boyfriend's car. Well, no, 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 it was the son of the stepfather. It was, I don't know the relationship. I believe at one point they're just like, just because Eggsy's mom's banging our governor. And I'm like, what's a governor? I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> so it was that yeah. dude's car, but it was really, that. I loved that scene. Because it's one of those things that immediately turned itself on its head. Where you're just expecting a normal chase scene. No, he's doing the whole thing in reverse, trying to escape the police. And they're all just being the ultimate teenage jerks. And it's so beautiful. Yeah, and I think that scene of of him stealing the car and driving backwards and a little bit of parkour that we see, I believe, too, in the scene is it's setting up the idea that it's believable later that he could like be a spy. I think it's like, look, this guy's got skills that are, you know, beyond just a normal teen. Um, and so I, I really like that part. And I think the last, like one of my favorite lines in this movie is when, uh, Harry is showing, uh, Eggie the, the, the Kingsman shop. And he's kind of explaining to him about, um, I think, I think Eggsy's pointed out that he's not a gentleman or whatever. And he starts explaining like the plot of um, pretty woman to him. And he's like, I've never seen that. And he goes, Oh, and he starts explaining it more. And he goes, Oh, like my fair lady. (laughs) And the look on Colin first face, he's like, that's the one you remember. And I don't know. I always think about that. We actually did an episode on my fair lady on the show um, about a month ago and I brought that up then. I was like, oh, it reminds me of that part in Kingsman. Now, every time I see My Fair Lady, I'm going to think of Kingsman because of this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, Co- Colin's just like, well, you're po-. my favorite's the smirk. Because it's not that he's like, ah, oh, you you know My Fair Lady. It's in, he's, it's like a moment of pride of, well, yeah, you're full like, of oh, surprises. <laughs> okay, I can <laughs> work cultured. with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, can we just discuss, and this is more fan theory than anything else, the fact that Lancelot okay. is apparently the least least it's like getting a red shirt in star trek seriously i I was hoping you would bring this up go ahead because eggsy's dad was lancelot i believe got killed 
then was immediately replaced by a second Lancelot who got killed 17 years later and they're like we haven't had to open this decanter in 17 years meaning that the last the only people who have died are Lancelots and I'm not going <laughs> to spoil the second movie but Lancelots don't do well there either Lancelot is not a good name yeah, it's like maybe pick another name. I mean, it just seems like it's not working out. Retire the this. jersey. You don't need it anymore. I know. I I don't want to say any spoilers either, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I also do really enjoy that naming convention. By the way, the fact that they are all are <laughs> named after Knights of the Round Table. Then they yeah. tried to re- they tried to repeat that in the second one with the Statesmen, and they're like, "All right, the British have Knights of the Round Table." What do the Americans have? We're all named after different types of liquor. I hope you guys like liquor, because that's all we do in this one. <laughs> it seems fitting. Um, yeah. Uh, do you ever feel like at points in this film that the Lancelot character and the princess character, I don't know, in some version of writing this movie, were like the same one? Because it's weird how like she's so important in some parts of the movie, then it really feels like the focus shifts. I don't know. It's like there's something weird there with that relationship they have. I, I guess they're just supposed to be friends. But it, it almost felt like there was a version where there, it, there was more to it. Which one? Eggsy and... And Lancelot. Oh, and Lancelot. The girl, yeah. I, I don't know. I honestly think there might have been a way they tried to get away with it but i wouldn't yeah i like it the, i like it the way it is right now where she's I doing agree. her thing because then the film can pass the uh, the bechdel test at least in some regards because otherwise the <laughs> only real prominent woman character in the film makes a very generous offer to eggsy inspiring him to save the world later on so I do like I that know. We, we at least have Lancelot to be like, hey, girls, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. It's okay. <laughs> I know. I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of wondered about that. And the fact that they're both blonde, too, is kind of interesting. I don't know. But, um, no, I, I prefer the relationship that they have in that yeah. one um, where it's they're just pals. Um, yeah, and, and that last line, honestly, that was kind of dicey when it came out. And then... Uh, Matthew Vaughn faced a little bit more uh, criticism in the second one when they had another kind of questionable scene in the second one. Even Taron Egerton uh, said that, you know, he wasn't real fond of that scene. So it's like, but I mean, I think too, like this movie, both movies, they're kind of quote unquote edgy. And so they definitely push the envelope of like what you can put in a movie that your audience will like be okay with. (laughs) And I feel like it's also playing with a lot of silly tropes. Right. And of course, the I'm trying to figure out a way to say it so we don't have to keep tiptoeing around it, but I just don't think we can. <laughs> um, but I feel like that end scene is making fun of all of the tropes of James Bond goes to save the world and then goes home to bed a woman. Right. And instead, in this film, it's just straight up her being like, go save the world and you can do this to me. And he goes... <laughs> Okay, and then leaves. <laughs> so it's it's sketchy, but it's also kind of playing on the tropes right, of it's not what it used to be in serious. these films. Yeah, it's kind of like, look at where we've come from. <laughs> like, yeah. Not to mention, they fell in love. They have a very good relationship in the second they film, which do. had to have been because... 
that had to have been because of backlash, right? Like, I there's know. no way Matthew was like, we're going to continue this character <laughs> arc. I just think it's interesting from Taron Egerton's perspective as like, from a, a newer generation, a younger generation, that right away some of these scenes like throw up red flags for him in ways that they don't for Matthew Vaughn. And I think that's kind of interesting too. <laughs> you know? well, it's, it's having a good working partner. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> What was, what was the scene from the second one? Is it the one at the uh, festival that you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, because pe- people okay. are saying, like, there's a... I, I, there's, like, a consent issue, which... Yes, but also there's no yeah. such thing as a vagina cam. I don't know. Everything about it is over the top. It's just ridiculous anyway. So I didn't spend too much time thinking about it. But I guess, yeah, it's kind of dicey. Like, maybe could have rewritten that to a way where it wasn't that way. But the whole scene is just so crazy anyway. Like, Well, I feel like that scene is set up to purposefully drive a wedge between Eggsy and and Princess Tildy. So it had to be that way. It had, and that would be the only way. It can't be like, go kiss her and use your tongue to put this in her mouth. It's like, no, then you could do, that's the only logical way you would have been able to do that and still drive that wedge and still maintain the integrity of the film. It's not a good scene. It's not a clean fix. It is some old, <laughs> it's some dusty cock in a corner just covering up some cracks, and it's not painted over yet, but it's the best we had. Yeah, it's definitely not the highlight of the film. I no, mean, not at know. all. But, but I, I can look past it and enjoy the movie, and I honestly didn't even notice it until someone brought it up, and then I felt like, oh, man, I didn't even think about that but i could be a little biased and just that i like the movie so much i wasn't thinking about it but yeah oh yeah um so back to this movie are there are there any other scenes that you feel like we missed there's just so many of them (laughs) because it's such a rapid (laughs) fire film of you get so many scenes together and i'm just trying to think of all the good ones because they're all uh Oh, I just want to pull up a plot synopsis and read, like, the whole description of the entire film, and that's the scene you need to remember from it. It's just that quality. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally feel you. Um, I, I, I think we covered pretty much all of them. I like the character arc that Taron Egerton has where, I mean, it's kind of true. In a lot of ways, the position that he's in is because of the Kingsmen, but then they also kind of help him. Because, I mean, if his father hadn't died, you know, would his mother be in the situation she was in? And, you know, so it's like kind of set his whole life on this weird course. And that's why, you know, Harry feels so responsible. Um, But then he's able to sort of like turn it around and there's a good ending. Somehow that also fixes all the problems his mother has too yeah. I don't well know he how. gets a house but um so you've, i've got a house now mom that's Come true with she's, me. she's better off um but yeah like i think you know I, I like that because you know you did talk about the chip on shoulder scene earlier and how you know he does feel like he's been dealt a raw hand he has and uh and this gentleman thing is just really exciting to him plus he gets a father figure out of harry and then uh you know he has that rival that's that horrible kid kid. sucks that kid's Um, the worst yeah he's awful i can't even remember his name but he's terrible so i'm glad i don't remember his name um but you know um he kind of throws his privilege in his face and then later you know of course he's a villain that's already at that head explodey thing and 
Oh, yeah. I'm sure his head exploded, so. Well, <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, I forgot. he gets kind of cool in the second one. <laughs> um, well, I, well, here's the weird thing about it is you're talking about character arcs. And yes, Eggsy has a very good one. But my favorite thing about it is the fact that the rest of the characters, they do have character arcs, but they have so much more of a flat. Like, Valentine is literally the crazy megalomaniac that he had always seen in movies growing up. He has become that. It almost reminded me of um, Unbreakable. Where mm-hmm. Sa- and Sam Jackson, once again, is trying to become the villain of the comic book by doing all these different <laughs> things. He's doing the exact same thing here in Kingsman. And I like it a lot. And my favorite, it, I don't want to say it's a scene because it's not really a scene. But my favorite still image of the entire film comes at the very, very end where he, he has to keep his hand on the platform to yeah. keep his to keep it going and so the very last scene that he's in he gets a spear chucked through his chest and the camera pans around and you hear an old school james bond stinger as his hand is just outstretched covered in blood and you're just staring and there's this brief moment of is he about to fall forward and put his hand back on it and then very last minute shift in balance falls backwards it's such a, like a, a a shock moment of oh mm-hmm. is it over <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah i i agree i love that scene too man there's just so many good ones you're right it is very rapid fire and yeah. everyone gets a cool moment like i think that's what's rewarding too is like every one of your favorite characters mark strong colin firth everybody gets like their one iconic cool moment in the film um, and so it's just super satisfying. And then, yeah, it's got a great ending, too. I think it does not disappoint. Oh, well, no. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that brings us to our last couple of questions then. Oh, let's do this. Okay. Uh, why do you like this movie so much? Why do you think you've seen it so many times? I know we've talked about it for an hour now, but how would you summarize that? It's straight up because when I first saw it, it reminded me of something I would write because I have a very specific style. And the way I write, I try to balance things going super buck wild with going super sad. Like I said earlier, and this film does that very well. It does crazy in a believable way. And that's the kind of stuff I like to try to bring into all my writing. Like this film directly same thing with guardians when i saw guardians that inspired a lot of stuff with what i write to this day i'll still write things and be like that's straight up a star lord thing that's star lord isn't it so that'll happen (laughs) but kingsman directly influenced one of my books uh bs versus the gods i got done writing it and went what if there was like a kingsman organization we were a part of and i just wrote it in there and now that's in there it's just it's a very big influence on me because like i said growing up a little bit poor i kind of connected with eggsy and then just getting to see him get all my fair ladyed up made me really excited so i connect it to connect to it a lot on that level and the reason why i watch it so much is the fact that it's got all the craziness to balance me out because if it was an emotional adventure i probably would never see it again uh, for instance, uh, <laughs> I just got back from L.A. On the plane ride here, I watched Black Klansman. I'm never watching Black Klansman again. I got everything I needed out of it. I cried. I'm good. It was a great film. I'm never seeing it again. 
But if a film <laughs> is crazy enough and has enough unique moments that I can always go back and find more small little things throughout a film, I'll do it. And that's kind of what Kingsman is to me, is I can always watch it and find something new. I have a suggestion for the title of your next book. Okay. Super Buck Wild. You've said that <laughs> a few times. I just feel like that would that would be a good title. I'm not gonna lie. If the BS <laughs> Network ever goes full corporate, we might change our name to Buck Wild LLC. It's one of my favorite words in go. the English language. Yeah. <laughs> I just while I was listening to it, I started thinking of a plot for Super Buck Wild. Um, okay. So <laughs> my next question for you is, uh, what's your like elevator pitch for this movie like if you're describing this film to someone that hasn't seen it before how would you describe it i mean i'd probably be at a party fairly drunk at this point if i'm ever having to pitch a movie to anybody because i don't talk to people so i'd probably just be like yo (laughs) sam jackson he has a lisp he's the exact opposite of sam jackson um Michael Caine's there. He's the worst. Like, it's it would just be me going through the list of actors and being like, there's no reason you shouldn't... Actually, no, no, no. Full on. This would be my elevator pitch. I would walk up with the YouTube video of the church scene and play it. Because that's what got me to watch it the first time. Just play that and say, now do you want to see the rest of this? And they will inevitably be like, yes. It's such a good scene. Yeah. I agree. Um, I, I do think that scene has inspired a lot of people to watch yep. it, like like it inspired you. And, um, yeah, I, I think I would tell people, you know, it's definitely... I think there's some people out there that maybe didn't want to watch it because they like James Bond so much and because they take that genre so seriously. And, and I get that. Like, if you're a big fan and you grew up with it and you love it, no hate... But I really do think this movie does a good job of, maybe it's not the same thing, but it's definitely made by someone who's a fan of those things. And so it it brings a different flavor to it, but I think it complements it. I mean, I think you can still be a fan of that genre and still love this movie. And I mean, I feel that way. So I would say like, it's kind of a James Bond flick, but it's a lot more... It's a lot, I guess, edgier. It's a lot, uh, it's a lot more fun i don't know if i should use that word that's like a that's become like a bad word hasn't it like people are like they don't want to say something is fun but it is it's really fun and it's a lot of good action and i i just think it's enjoyable it's an enjoyable ride and like we've been saying pretty much every scene is a good one so and i'll be honest that should get you to see i'll be honest if you cut out the eggsy stuff it's just a james bond movie it's just the story of your, your surrogate james bond Colin Firth going through trying oh, to absolutely. hunt a supervillain. And then there's just, uh, consider those commercial breaks if you're not interested in a young poor boy. <laughs> I like that. Somebody should make a cut of the movie like yeah. that. <laughs> we can see what that looks like. Um, well, uh, Scotty, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um is there anything you want to plug before you head out? Um, just follow me on Twitter, Scotty Mo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. I tweet too much some days, and then I don't tweet anything other days. So follow me there, and you can find all the BS Network programs online at a load of pure BS.com. Nice. 
All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, you're going to have to think of a movie to uh, discuss when we come back. Maybe the Golden Circle. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's not even a joke. <laughs> We're going into the Golden Circle territory. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much and uh, have a good one. All right. <laughs>